Well, it's been a few weeks since the new Kendrick. I uh, wanted to get it uh, up right away, but uh, but you know what they say, Kevin, we're not your savior. We've been uh, busy yeah. puffing on zooties and taking hits from the bong. So uh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing a we're doing the new Kendrick Lamar, the new future, and a new Cypress Hill doc. Uh, three new things on the docket today. Yeah. How do you feel? How do you feel about all this? Man, it's uh, it's gonna be heavy, but uh, I mean, listen, you got two of the uh, most two of the most of many most prominent selling rappers in the game today. I mean, listen, Future does record sales no matter what, and even though his stuff is never gonna be like Kendrick level uh, depth, like it's just surprising to kind of like pair or the kind of contrast they have, especially in kind of their sales. It's almost shocking that they're both roughly around the same sales right now with these two records. I mean, because futures put out so much and Kendrick's had a five-year gap. So I would have thought like that, um, maybe that want for engagement would have like elevated Kendrick, you know, not even, it didn't have to be like double this. We didn't have to be damn levels or anything. I just thought, you know, a little bit more than future, maybe a little bit more, Yeah, a little bit more than, you know, the, I wouldn't say like futures is like a big rap album of the year. I mean, it's going to sell anyway. He's uh, doing future things, but I think it makes a, a better pairing than maybe even, even we predicted because they're, they seem to be at the same level of at least commercial success at the moment. Oh, most definitely. I think we'll analyze kind of why that is. And uh, um, I think for different reasons, they're both at that level. And I think we could uh, kind of dig into that, but uh, we should start with uh, the Kendrick of it all. Um Yep. Uh, long delayed now, but uh, I think it's something that we really need to dig into. And I think this one, more than any other Kendrick album, has a lot more uh, thorny complications and difficulties that are, uh, I think, worth uh, spending some time with and really thinking and pondering about. Like, what what's Kendrick really trying to say? Is it what he's always been trying to say, but is he being more honest now? It's it's definitely a little more honesty, but he's, it's it's more honesty about himself. He's a lot of the album is him just reflecting and writing and creating this music for himself, but at the same time, delivering it to us because it's in a, it's his own state of consciousness. So in our own state of consciousness, like we always have these provocative theories, provocative thoughts. And, you know, Kendrick's always been a provocative rapper. He's been known to tackle everything with honesty, brute force, never shying away i mean the grammys let him do that whole prisoner walkout for right. his performance in 2015 Shit, when he got right. nominated for to pimp a butterfly so like that's the kind of stuff that you know considering how the media is is provocative but it isn't because that's mm-hmm. just the reality reality can't be provocative like you can't just be like oh you know it's it's what it is and that's how you just got to take it at value and i think that's what he does witness them around the big steppers yeah and i think there's i think there's multiple stages of kendrick and kendrick on different stages both literal and and metaphorical we could look at like a you know the first two albums like his early years and his developments and how he's talking about you know youth on the street and in compton and then a kind of development as a rap superstar into uh, adulthood and dealing with social issues. And then finally uh, with uh, Mr. Morale and the, uh, the big step, just like turning internally and uh, turning that lens on the inside, like a uh, Kendrick and I are the same age. And at this age, you, I mean, you're mid thirties, you do like a lot of self-reflection and you're kind of already starting to think back about the life you've had and 
uh, how you really want to go forward with it. So I think it, it makes a lot of sense for the for the five year gap that he uh, just oh, yeah. went internal. Even I, I think all the social pressure was like, uh, please address all the um, Black Lives Matter that you know the protests. Uh, uh, spend your time on that. But I mean, he he does address it. He just he also addresses that he's not going to spend his time on that. Like he's he's spending it on himself. And uh, I think it is like a form of self therapy, which uh, I find it. I've already kind of faded from it in a way that I I'm not really with the other Kendricks. I'm still listening to the old stuff more oh. than this new stuff. Same, same. I mean, listen, it's, it's hard to really go and tell yourself, I'm just going to sit down <laughs> and listen to Kendrick really just preach because if you're always going to sit down and go through this, you're going to have to go through the uncomfortable, but remarkable. We cry together. The, mm-hmm. Which I don't like. You like that a whole lot more than me. I, think I love that song. I, I love that so song. I, just, I don't want to listen to people yell at each it's, other. It's, it's hard. Yeah, but it's... We could yell at each other about why I don't want to listen to people yell at each other. Though, <laughs> <laughs> I'm down for that. It's such an Eminem track, though. Like, Well, it is. It's it's, it's, it's Kim 2.0. I mean, yeah. the only difference is like there's a lot of parallel with the music industry in that song. So it's not a direct conflict that he has with his with his girl because at the same time like i uh he has a strong foundation in his family so i i'm not assuming but like that's why it's harder to breathe in more of that you know i don't want i assume the best so i never assume the worst so i mm-hmm. i it really reflected into how in a sense like he he's really been with the industry i mean listen like when he dropped that first album yeah. for the first two years he hopped on everything you called him up he would do your thing, bro. Like he did songs with Birdman, Migos. It was just He's every yeah. every other month there was a new maybe. single. Exactly. Like every other month there was a new song by Kendrick. And, you know, he was doing this to gain a platform, but he also realized how, you know, the, these deals really are like it's yeah. with these features. It's, some, it's usually more of an upfront pay instead of a back end with the royalties, you know? And, you know, plus, you know, being in the industry, like we, he gathers that. And listen, other rappers who are in the industry sort of get the gist of how shitty it is. I mean, when Vince Staples in, um, on his last album, he brings up notions about like how the studio just like at times slayed them as a songwriter. Like, you know, sometimes he'd like had to be there, like working like 12 plus hours, just writing and writing until like exhaustion and like really just, you know, hurting his own mental prowess and, causing a little bit of a depression in him you know and uh, i think it it says so much about him in the industry like this is his last album with his record label correct like uh um yeah this is the last one with tde um which also has like aftermath i mean there's you know a lot of other forces it's not quite just kendrick like designing he's uh before td yeah it was tde aftermath interscope and he was the only one with the aftermath cosign but um yeah and bringing back something you said earlier when he said like i'm not your savior mm-hmm. he really plays into that yeah he really plays it because he doesn't give a fuck which like is how, strange he's given a fuck so much before like exactly and, and, I, and I mean like and like i just mean more conceptually because yeah i'm real there's a lot of kodak black on this album <sighs> and yeah. and if you know kodak like listen i'm not the woke police but like he got pardoned for some heinous shit that you know he did 
Pardoned by Donald Trump, by the way, not like just like, you know, and that too. Yeah. And, you know, he was at Mar-a-Lago, whatever. But like, yeah, listen, man, like, like I still bump some of his old songs because I think he had some good songs. But it's like one of those things where it's like, dude, like he he faded. Just like stop giving him a platform again because you're not some savior. But yet, like because of who you are, how we you know, sort of, or how us as fans sort of like perceive you, you're still putting in a double negative and sort of imparting a savior complex into the whole idea of having Kodak be on all these many songs. Yeah, that is a way to act like a savior to bring someone on for redemption and to let and them repent not, on your album. And, and, there's, and it's not redemptive. Like, listen, it's like, not, it doesn't help. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm a, and I'm a, and, I, and all right, I'm not, I'm not gonna front. Like, I, I yeah. low key, low key, like that's, uh, song on the second part with kodak but that's besides the point um which one that, which one do it uh it's the um silent hill okay yeah yeah it's it's fine more, I, that, I don't mind that's it. a good yeah. song yeah and kodak's good on it but like at the end of the day man like if he was just on that one song we probably wouldn't even be talking about this whole savior complex with the whole kodak situation but kodak is here talking you know his troubled past on rich interlude and you know like we Listen, I don't need that self-motivation from Kodak. Like, uh, sure, like you made it out the hood, but like look who he ended up being. And like, Rich Interlude's you... also a fine song, though. Like it also has like that California vibe and exactly. it's a great production, yeah. yeah. But it's just like a waste of co- it's just a waste because Kodak really doesn't drive in the message because of who he is. Waste and like unless like songs. yeah, unless you're like a very, very like hardcore Kodak fan, then I mean, go off. I'm not going like, to argue. The, why you, are you if you are? Yeah, don't be a hardcore Kodak fan. At least have the decency to be like, he's okay, but I don't like him anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, like, I, my, listen, my, my friend Malik, he's a big Kodak okay. fan, right? Fair I don't front him. But, like, yeah. but at the end of the day, he's like, yeah, but like, I love his music, but like, I know he's a fucking moron and does this okay, shit. So good. it's like, <laughs> no, no, you know, he sees both sides. He's like, yeah, listen, yeah. Like, it's like, for me, like, I'll just listen to the music, but like, yeah, like, he's a, he's a, dumbass and whatever I, I guess because i can't separate the art from the artist just specifically i can't do it and i think it's very much a part of what the artist makes is is a, a part of them i think it's a perfect for kendrick to do something that's so internal and humane and uh internally focused with all his strife and all, all the problems that come with that um i i do like art that's uh, a little bit difficult and i i think this is um if damned is all just bangers that I think is just fucking fantastic from, you know, so track one to the end. I think this one's a, a really tough listen. Like there are moments where you don't want to be there. You don't want to be with them. And uh, there's ones that, you know, really get you choked up or thinking about like, God damn, oh, what's yeah. he been through? Or like, he's admitting things that you didn't really know about him and Whitney and God damn Whitney, his wife uh, from his yeah. childhood. And we always thought like, Oh, Kendrick, you know, he's a symbol. He's infallible. He was with the same girl. That's good. He's a good model for fatherhood and uh, kind of that paternal, like a, um, what would you say? Commitment to relationship. But he's like, yeah, I cheated on her on my first tour. I was like, Oh God damn. Yeah. You know, he's admitting a lot and it's like a, a long form therapy session wherein, um, Kodak Black's kind of like a guide through it. It's very strange yeah. conceptually that he would do that with Kodak Black, but I see what he's trying, I guess. Yeah. And he tack and what's crazy is like he tackles a lot of trauma, but as well, he's able to weave these very interesting styles that sort of never always correlate, except yeah. being more in a sense of downbeats. They're all downbeat production, mm-hmm. more tape, more mellow. 
But like, for example, like Die Hard, Silent Hill, these kind of some of these songs, like they have the capability of relaying the message, but at the same time, building off a more popish appeal, which is also great for Kendrick because listen, like it's Kendrick. He's always in a cell, but you can't really force yourself away from having anything that's close to a single that's why like silent hill is what is something i said that's like more of a radio friendly song because it's both him and kodak just like flexing do you think it has like legitimate singles do you think part of the reason it's selling the same as future is it lacks like the damn punch of a dna and a humble in the the, die hard if i'm not mistaken is one of the more prominent of the kendrick's so far, he's positioned as at least his music videos. He's doing um, N95, which is an interesting, punchy song to make your first music video. And he's doing um, We Cry Together as the second music video, which insane to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think that works uh, as a single. So. Eh. I mean, listen, mistake, we're going to get more Taylor Page, so I'm all for it. Maybe it's not a mistake. Maybe it's what uh, Kendrick thinks needs to happen. And I mean, this is all internal and intentional. Uh, I don't think he's a. Uh, Choosing that yeah. because that's the most popping song here. I think Father Time's the one that I was immediately connected to and like the most as a legitimate song. And I uh, keep putting on outside the album. I think everything else works better inside, but uh, uh, as an outside song, I like Father Time quite a bit. Uh, just like catching up and seeing yeah. what like father just, figures uh, do to people the... in the community. Sorry, go ahead. Yep. No, I said I was. I just went to Billboard and see uh, what was Kendrick's highest Hot 100 song, at 95. Really? <laughs> at number okay. 20. Uh, at number 20, and then number two was Die Hard at 41. So uh, it's 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 like I said, it's it has these individual songs that sort of can play on themselves, but it's more of an effective album when you listen it from front to back. Yeah. So that's why I think you know when you really look at like how. He's really building this album to be like these songs aren't inherent singles. Nine ninety five is not a single. Die Hard is not a single. Silent no. Hill is not a single. It's not a pop friendly song. It's not radio. It's a hip hop radio friendly song. Maybe, but that's you know, no, it, it definitely is. Like I listen to enough, and it's like they they they, they breach into that level, especially because like you know they know that that's what they people want to hear at first. It may not have the staying power of like more prominent in your area stations. Like for example, with me in the New York Metro, we get more drill mm. and trap. We just get like, stuff that people would actually want to hear in a car in the West Coast. Exactly. Not, not like that, that drill shit. Yeah, so, I like drill. I don't, yeah. I'm just insulting your culture. Um, <laughs> uh, just for the sake of an argument, I think that's also how Kendrick was. I think he made songs that like all West Coast rap sounds really fucking good to bump in a car. And then he's uh, kind of turned with the context of music to something that, you know, it's internal, it's introspective, it goes in your ears. It's it's earphone music. I think it's something you walk around with your, oh, yeah. uh, you know, your um, streaming. Yeah. I think it's a, a album built specifically for uh, our context to use and how we approach albums. So I think that's oh, also interesting. Oh, definitely. Like he's shaping his art with the form and how the form's developed recently. So, yeah. Uh, that's it's a development i mean it's different than the others i think it is like the the weakest kendrick album but it's also the one i've really thought about the most after release like i'm really oh most definitely struggling with it <laughs> i mean yeah it's definitely the weakest but it's like you know 
it's, that's not really saying much compared to because I mean, like, it's because it's, it's not a bad album. No, it's just so stripped down. Like, like you were exactly. saying, it, it doesn't have that memorable uh, hooky changes in melodies, and like, it's not. Um, it, it still has a lot though. Like every song kind of offers something else, and yep. Uh, I mean, it, as a construction that builds into like a whole therapy session. I'd say, even say like a year of therapy sessions. Uh, he covers a yeah. whole lot of shit. Uh, each one exactly. of these is effectively a, a therapy visit is kind of how I view it. Like each one yep. is like a uh, one of the times you go in and talk to someone, really process something. And uh, with that, you get a lot of the guilt and shame that comes out of like sharing those with someone else. So it doesn't yep. always feel good. And it's complicated. Um, my feelings are very complicated. I, I don't love it, um, but I, I do think I respect it a lot. Um I think that's a fair place to be. Yep. Uh, do we need to go over, like, we don't need to go over it in depth, really, but, like, the whole thing with um, Annie Diaries was such a, a hot button for, you know, the first three days before we moved on. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen. I just wish he didn't say the word. Yeah. Because context matters. And, like, if you're trying to be, in de- listen, I'm not going to front like it's hard for me not to like find out word and everything I listen to because hip hop hasn't changed. I listen to old school hip hop. That's just a dominant word. If I'm rapping, I'm not going to say it. No, I'm like, it's, it's there. It's unfortunate. I'm, I'm not, if, if I can edit it myself and just blur out that word, that'd be great, but I can't. Um, but this, but it's like, you know, it's context. So with auntie diaries, like, you know what he's going for. But why use the words? Why use these? Why use these sort of narrative beats that really aren't effective? It's also like, the misgendering too of I mean of a family member. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's, that's exactly that's what the narrative beats like. It's that's the only person that could allow you to because a family could say, "I want you to refer to me by this," and then maybe that's okay. But it switches so many times in a song, and it sends a complicated message to someone that's not in that circle. So uh, yeah. you don't, you know you don't always want to critique that without inside knowledge of what their relationship is and how that uh, has performed and what they've talked about with what this song is. But uh, I think it's, I think it's difficult for people in those situations and uh, identities to uh, listen to and hear this from Kendrick. Um, oh, I think it's, definitely. it's problematic. And, and I've, I'm sad that he approached it that way. And uh, there's a million ways to tell a story. So yep. uh, I just, he's so clever and so able to do powerful things with his words. I think he could have gone, any number of ways and i think he went for like the lamest uh most like hyperbolic way to like get the message out there it just it's like a hammer but it's not a good thing for me yeah um so there's a, a few moments like that just throughout uh that that are kind of questionable like we said the kodak thing and uh, some of the um misgendering and the the f word uh so I don't know. I'm, I'm still mixed on it all. Like I, I don't like everything. I don't want to hear that song again, particularly. Oh yeah. No, I don't, I don't listen to it either. It's, you know, I still really, really like the album. There's a lot that's great in it. I just, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I saw those problems. You don't, you don't wake up every day and put on mother. I sober <laughs> is what you're telling me. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I don't wake up to mother. I sober, man. Not your alarm clock. My eyes would stay red. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's heavy. I, I think you do get to the end there. Uh, Dan is such an album where it could go either way. You could play it backward, frontward. This one, it has to go in the order it's in. And and you get to that end. You don't want to keep reliving that. Okay. Um, 
so do you think it has the same staying power though do you think in five years this will have uh the <laughs> more pedigree than it has now do you think it'll have more prestige do you think it'll matter once he puts another album out that this one was out now i mean we'll still probably be talking about it um i don't think it's gonna the score's gonna end anytime soon i mean it really just depends. I mean, depends on how long it's going to take to drop the next album, whether or not it's true, whether or not he has any input in the Black Panther 2 soundtrack. So, right. I mean, we never know. I think uh, I think Dan bought him a lot of time. I think winning, um, what was it, the Pulitzer Prize for uh, the first in rap music ever. Yeah. Um, I think that buys you five years. I don't think uh, this one buys you five years. I think, you know, two, three years would, would make sense to me. Yeah for a new album um and it will be on his uh, own label so uh was it pg lang is that is that the name yep. of it? uh so uh, maybe he'll feel more free and he'll be able to kind of you know control his own destiny a little bit more um I'm, i mean he's always seemed in control of his product but uh i, I think it's nice to own all your profits and, and kind of control what um your destiny is and who's on your label and uh, he's kind of uh um created more of his legacy with baby keem but uh i think baby keem's kind of taking care of the job that damn did last year um yep. i think that has the bangers that you would expect and a couple with kendrick in it uh range brothers and family ties great songs uh yeah i don't know i don't even know if i like this as much as uh baby keem's album which is insane to me to be saying that yeah interesting Maybe it's a matter of like expectations, and I really didn't like think much that I would get much from Baby Keem, but it's enjoyable and it's a distinct style. And I think, as you've said, a proxy for Kendrick. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Well, where are you at with it? Like, what's your evaluation of the album in total here? Uh, listen, it's some problems, great album, love it. Um, honestly, you know, just like I said, I can just take away a few of my issues and you have something a little more construct, but it, you, ha you take what you can get. And I mean, listen, I, I thought it was a solid B-level great album. Like, you know, one of the better hip hop albums this year, but not the best. Yeah, already not the best for me either, which is a, a major surprise. Uh, yeah. I guess I... I had anticipated the last few albums and said, well, yeah, we don't want to rank anything too high because Kendrick's still coming. And I don't yep. feel that way now. Um, I, I do like it. Uh, I continue to think about it. I don't continue to play it every day. It's not in my car. Oh, it's same. not around me. I don't want it around my family. I don't want it uh, playing. I don't want to have to discuss it with anyone else. I, I feel like I have my personal relationship and played it nonstop for five or six days and kind of, yep. you know, move forward. Uh, so I gave it a... A high 79. I, I like it quite a bit. All my other Kendricks are high 90s, so that's uh, my big surprise for the year. <laughs> How about you? Where are you at score-wise? Uh, I'm like at an 80. 80? Uh, okay. Uh, 79, 80. That makes sense for us. I think we're yep. very close on the album, actually. Um, that's nice. Uh, I think that puts a good cap in it. Uh, I think the difficulty here is choosing what song uh, we want to represent the album with. What do we want to play? uh good question um why not just n95 yeah i think n95 is the uh, first lead single first video and i think a 
what's represented on the chart. So uh, that'll give you a taste of kind of how it gets a little edgy and uh, also yep. introduces Kendrick into this more introspective space. Bitch. You ugly as fuck. You out of pocket. Huh. Two ATMs. You step into what? You out of pocket. Who you think they talk about? Talk about us. You out of pocket. Who you think they carry up? Carry up us. And with that, now it's time to start uh, puffing on zooties. How are you feeling, Kevin? <laughs> That's my uh, favorite phrase that I've learned from rap this year. I, I use I'm it. Good on- man. I'm good. Uh, puffed on some zooties myself. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah man that new future album um yeah i, I don't like future so uh, this will be your yeah, lead really um i like future so you know you know when future announced an album with kind with some kind of production on it and other stuff you know people were hyped you know everybody loves future you know future brings out not everybody top- loves future uh, you could say that he's popular a lot of people are like future is annoying and hedonistic yeah and i think that's boring i mean listen i guess but he brings he, he brings you know he he, he makes it the, he's trying to make it the summer of toxic masculinity you know yeah he's very toxic <laughs> i mean you're telling I mean, me that. you can't just say everyone <laughs> likes him though because he is very toxic that's like his brand like uh it's kind of like taking joy in that toxicity of masculinity and taking no responsibility or accountability it's like a lot of like gaslighting of women in his tracks and then uh, just celebrations of pure hedonism, a lot of dark sprite in there, uh, a lot of vehicles, yeah. a lot of uh, women kind of objectified. I, I don't like Future. I don't <laughs> like any of Future, actually. Uh, no, I listen, think- I, listen, Future makes a lot of great music. It's like, it's, it's, the, the problem is it's like. <sighs> not for me. It's not for everybody, of course. Um, I, like, Future has gone through so many different avenues like making all different types of trap music and he's just a great rapper in my opinion i mean listen like his first uh dirty sprite 2 great album hendrix great album and that was all r&b um that's all hendrix is the one that i do like and i I responded to that uh so uh, some credit to that that r&b performance as you say yeah and on this new album it's a little bit of everything but it's not all good (laughs) Oh, and none of the beats really stick with me. I, I don't have I mean, anything a lot in of my them head. Are just, a lot of them are just typical trap beat. It's not, you know, anything crazy. I mean, like I said, but like, and and this is going to retread what we were talking about earlier, but Kodak Black. <laughs> yeah. He's also on this album. And I actually love the song that he's on. Voodoo is so smooth. Voodoo's okay. Um, uh, but but uh, know, the whole I, album's just okay for me, so. Oh, I mean, yeah, but like, you know, like, listen, there's a lot of just so many questionable things on the album, like, Wait For You, the song with Drake and Thames is just so boring, there's nothing really value in the verses, um, we have a lot of beats that sound a little bit oversimilar, like, we have a lot of features just coming and going without really adding anything of substance, like, none the of the features to, like, matter that much. I mean, um, listen, like, you know, some of the features really get some people turning heads, like, because they like that stuff. So it's like, you know, like, for example, the song For a Nut featuring Gunna and Young Thug. Mm-hmm. The There's a part where Young Thug raps. I just put some diamonds in her butt, but, and I see that shining when she nut, nut. You say everybody likes future. I don't think that's uh, everybody. And that was uh, Young Thug. That was Young Thug. Yeah. Young Thug is known for having some weird, as provocative lines like that and listen 
it's and it's like when you hear that, it's just like, dude, like I get that's young thug, but it just doesn't it, it doesn't work in the grand scheme of things with this song. I think the beat selections are all wrong for all the songs. It's like a major problem with it. I mean, and also some of the names like chickens. I think chickens which, is actually the the feature that actually works. I think SG there is actually the one that I'm like. I'm not a big fan of SG fan, so that it, I don't think I am either. It's just the chicken song. It's uh, it's the chicken song. The there you go. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, also, I mean, and then, listen, there's some great songs on there. Like I like are there? the song with Con- <laughs> yeah, I like the song with Kanye on it. I like uh, the second song with Drake. I'm on one. I mean, I know I, you definitely like that line. I don't know why you fuck n words trying to test me. What I'm just all about my goals like Ovechkin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's uh, actually the best line of the all about my goals like Ovechkin is uh, uh, a nonstop scorer who kind of like separates himself from the pack and always just gets the puck right in the net. Um, the yeah. uh, unbreakable Russian machine. Yes, I'm a, a big fan of this reference. Um, uh, hockey references and rap will always get me. I, I think the two Drake features sound basically the same, but they don't really have any lift for me. I mean, I like the second Drake feature a lot more just because, like Lil Yachty, like when Drake hops on trap, it's a, a trap beat is sort of a must listen because, you know, they can do special things on those beats. They just yeah. got to put in the effort, which sometimes they don't do because it depends on the song, it depends on the feature. If it's a pot, if it's trying to be a pop hit, they're going to give you a simple 16, nothing to in depth. And, you know, that's why, like, you hear that in the sort of the parallel, like, I'm on one, Drake puts the pen to the paper while wait for you drake just sleepwalks Mm -hmm. yeah sleepwalking is a good word for it um future also so prolific he puts out like two albums a year uh so i mean there's not a lot of variety next to what he's made just before now um yeah i think you did highlight that he's good at like getting the right names and this is obviously selling as well as uh kendrick's uh album which is pretty bare on features I think based on the quality of like, you know, Kanye West, Young Thug and uh, Little Baby and uh, um, Drake. And yeah, I mean, there's there's good features on here as far as like selling your album. Oh, most definitely. And, And, you uh, know, like it's just future. Future is always going to sell, even if it's half baked, even if it's fully baked. It's it is who it is. And, you know, it's he's one of those rappers where it's like. Even if the song sucks, even if his verse sucks, like which they all do, I still admire that he is actually like a technically gifted rapper. Like he can flow, he knows how to create a rhyme scheme, he knows how to switch it up. But like sometimes, you know, he just his verses aren't that great. I think he he has such a fast flow too. Like it sounds like he's doing so much and he's keeping balls in the air. But then you like read the lyrics and you're like, oh. You know, it's just future yeah. just being a hedonistic asshole. But uh, uh, I, I think it is amusing, and I think it, he does have a really good flow. Uh, I, I can credit him that. And Hendrix was a great album. I still want people yeah. to listen to it. And you know, I mean, listen, there's not really much to say about this. It's just another <laughs> no. No. typical future album. I mean, you're either gonna like it or you're gonna hate it. I mean, you know, it's fine, I guess. I've I wonder if we have future albums. Are- I wonder if we have the same favorite track. I wonder if we both want to play the same thing. Um, I'm curious what you'll say. Um, that Edward. Okay. Um, we could. Or, what were you thinking? I was thinking the Kanye. Uh, keep it burning. But uh, that's another it. great song too. That's okay. another great. Love keep it burning. Which would you rather have in the show? I'll let you. Keep choose. it burning. 
Okay, let's do it. Uh, I think it is a good Kanye feature, actually. I think of the Kanye features he's done lately, that one I keep going. Yeah, he actually tries, dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's in it, and it's not just like about. It's not just about Kim and like everything going on in Kanye's life. It just sounds better. Uh, Pete Davidson, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, enough of that, Kanye. Okay, here's Keep It Burning. As an editorial note, we left out our scores for future. So for Calvin, that's me. I'm at a 57. And for Kevin, he's at a flat 60. Enjoy the song. City on fire. Yeah. City on fire. Yeah. City on fire. Cooking out that parrot. City on fire. City on fire. City on fire. Insane in the membrane. We're here with it. Cypress Hill, uh, one of the coolest rap groups of the uh, 90s for everything they represented and their like uh, multicultural diversity in what they brought in rap and uh, um, Latin influences and uh, mm-hmm. bringing that to hip hop. Also making hip hop that's really good to smoke a lot of weed too. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that's a good summary of Cypress Hill. What I've just said, I think that covers most of how I feel about Cypress Hill. Uh, how do you feel about <laughs> Cypress Hill? <laughs> oh, I love Cypress Hill, man. Good. Listen, I, I, I've always loved stoner rap, weed rap. Yeah. That's been ingrained in me since high school. You know, Mac Miller was Khalifa currency. So it's, you know, going back and listening to Cypress Hill lit, later on in life was always just a blessing. These guys really just deliver, man. Be real. Send Dog, DJ Mugs. There was something special to them, man. There were West Coast rappers that brought a lot of influence from the East, but that's mm-hmm. because their DJ was from Queens. Oh, right. Interesting. Mugs. So it's like you bring a little bit of that Cali flair, but you bring in some of that boom bap from the East and you just create this weird and awesome atmospheric synchronization where it's just like, it's just pulling high music, man. And, you know, like, that's just who they are. That's just they're always gonna be. Even their new album, it was exactly that. Just yeah, weed shit, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Um, then the one we watched is called "Insane in the Brain." It's basically a documentary of them smoking weed. Uh, you know, it's about like their early like party scene and how uh, they kind of transformed some things in rap, but also. Uh, just they're a cool hangout band and this is kind of what their vibe is and let's interview the members a lot of talking heads uh, what do you think of the doc itself um i thought it was bold um oh, bold. more so because of where it ends i'm oh, sorry i don't remember um it's it's only a half talk in a sense it ends in like 2003 yeah it's early isn't it yep it's a half talk so it's like you're getting a lot of the early years and to be honest, it's a good thing. I'm just surprised they did it because, you know, after 2003, they drop another album and then they go all salsa, reggaeton stuff, making a song with Pitbull and Mark Anthony and just being a little just out there, not really honing in on their strength before coming back and re-honing in on their strengths again. And, um, you know, like it's it's definitely it's a good doc because you know it's it's focusing on the actual people involved. It's not, you know, 
it's 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 as much about the music as it is the people behind the music. So it's almost it just feels like a VH1 behind the music with just a little bit more flair, because you know like the like the transition. Okay. But yeah, I mean like because that is a little more flair. The um, it's directed by their long their longtime photographer Esteban Oriol. So you know that's, there, there's that's a, a lot cool of framework. Things too because he was like there during the, like the big times and he could show you some of those photos and kind of background it with some of the uh mm-hmm. rap photography has always been interesting and has always been like a genre of photography itself so uh, that's a that's an interesting background for it oh most definitely and i mean he's done a lot i mean listen he's directed music videos for them he's done some stuff so it's like it's just a simple doc. I mean, it wasn't even like it was good. I mean, I guess, but it wasn't anything special. You know? No, if you don't care about the band, I I don't think you'll care about the band after you watch it either. So, uh, but it was nice. You know, the the interviewees were pretty cool though. I mean, it was fun to see the Alchemist. It was cool to see Fred Durst just like chopping it up, like talking about the old days when they went on that tour with uh, Fred Durst. I forgot who else. Um, yeah, I don't remember. The, but that was that was wicked, man. Like they're just talking like old times, like how it was with Cypress Hill and who they were as people. <laughs> My favorite thing is, of course, like Send Dog leaving the group and just like being like, "I'm out of here. I'm just tired of doing shows." And then like they them catching up with him at like a just like a motorcycle bar or something. He's just like hanging out with his uh, biker gang now, just like chilling, just living his life, a whole different life. And he still seems like he's uh, on leave. Like he's, he seems like he's on kind of like a permanent vacation. I kind of love that for Sun Dog. So good for him. Yeah, man. Sometimes you got to take a mental break, you know? Yeah. I like that he's out with his bikers, just, you know, living his That's life. That's just who he is, man. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, like I said, like, and like, and especially love the correlation they brought in with like their Latin heritage and talking about like what influenced them with Cheech and Chong and then. It was nice to see Cheech and Chong appear in the documentary and talk about them. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like those up, listen, Up and Smoke's a fantastic stoner comedy, man. I love that movie. But like, <laughs> but that's Cypress Hill, man. Like, it's like there's so much you can say about them, but it's always so big because it's just like outside of like the weed aesthetic and like the music, it's like after 2003, like unless you want to really focus on what really drove them to make that more latin flared weird album in 2009 like there is you know there's nothing that's gonna be like of interest in my opinion i mean they got a hollywood rock uh they got a hollywood star uh on the hollywood walk of fame which is nice but i mean like that's what i like about the dog too it's just like because it understands what their core history is and it really just tells itself for the rest of the years. Like they just make music. They they are who they are. They make rock. They make hip hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, multi layered and kind of reaching between genres. And they were able to do those uh, rap and rock star songs because they were so multi genre. It made sense for them to reach out like across the aisle between Eminem and um, who who else was on who's on the rock song? Was that Nickelback? Was that no? Who was on that? On the rock album? Oh, on the uh, rock superstar song. Do you remember who was on oh, the rap superstar? That's Eminem oh. and Noriega. Who was on the rock version? Do you know? 
Ah, uh, good question. Everlast. It was Everlast on there, not Nickelback. Excuse oh, me for yeah. my sins. Oh, yeah. no wonder. Uh. <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, it's a it's a different version of the same song. Uh, and they kind of go over that. And uh, I remember that's where I kind of was introduced to Cypress Hill was uh, both versions of that. And I was like, that's a weird thing for a band to do. And Insane in the Brain was on the radio 24-7 in the 90s. Yeah. It was such a fantastic song. I mean, yeah. they had so many fantastic songs. Latin lingo, hits from the bong. How Could I Just Kill a Man is a great How song. How Could I Just Kill a Man, yep. The um, When Shit Goes Down, like Shot. Dr. Green Thumb, I remember that one. That, <laughs> was, a, that was a conic video. Then they made... Then, you know, like you talk about that whole Latin album they did where they just pretty much just reworked a lot of their old songs in Spanish. Mm -hmm. It was awesome just like listening to Insane in the Membrane, but like Spanish. That is cool. I got to listen to that. I had stopped around where the dock stopped, so uh, I was okay with that break at least. Uh, I just don't think the dock will convince anyone. I don't think it's a good dock because it should probably convince a new audience that Cypress Hill was important and they're still valuable today. And I don't think it does quite that, but uh, I, I do like yeah. Cypress Hill. So uh, I, I was in, in a certain sense, I was already there yeah. um, and I didn't need to be persuaded uh, and it wouldn't have persuaded me. I don't think it could. Uh, so overall, not, not recommended by me, but I do recommend going back and listening to some Cypress Hill. Oh, most definitely. And like I said, man, it's it's literally a simple VH1, behind the music, documentary, TV made. It's mm-hmm. just because it's made by a photographer and artist. You get those cool, nice little transitions. You do get to see some fire footage of them performing. But, yeah, like, there's no sense. I mean, it's not the best documentary, but it's, you know, it's not the worst. And like I said, like you said, if you're if you're a fan of the band, like you know, you're you got watch 90 it. minutes. Yeah. yeah, and it's only 90 minutes, so it's like right. it's 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 not time consuming, like for many people, like you know, and you just want to sit down, feel like watching some Cypress Hill footage and just learn about them for like 90 minutes, go for it. It's it's solid. I mean, yeah, that's all you can say. Yeah, just go puff on some zooties and put on that Cypress. I think yeah, you'll yeah. be good to go. Uh, yeah, I don't know if we need to rate the documentary necessarily. I, I just think uh, a vague recommendation to people who really like Cypress Hill. And uh, we oh, do most want, definitely. I guess we do want to play one of their songs and go out. Uh, do you know what we're coming back with? Do we know what we're coming back with? Should we just uh, um, take a huddle after our show and uh, figure it out? Or do we want to announce anything? Uh, let's take a huddle after the show. Okay, yeah. We'll yeah. I, think, I know we had some plans, but um, we don't have to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, Does anyone need to hear about that guy anymore? Yeah. <laughs> do we want to say what we were going to do? Um, no. Nah, we'll, just... <laughs> we'll just make it that vague. Uh, yep. Instead, what uh, song from Cypress Hill do you want to hear? Um. What about... Dr. Green Thumb. All right, cool. We'll go with Dr. Green Thumb and we'll be back in a couple weeks. Thanks so much, yep. Kevin. Yep, no problem. Hello, my name is Dr. Green Thumb. Kick it.